Um, if you'll stand with me this morning, we're going to read from Second Timothy, verse chapter two or chapter three, sorry, verse thirteen through seventeen. This is the word of the Lord to us. I'll actually start in verse 12. Indeed, all who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. But evil men and impostors will proceed from bad to worse, deceiving and being deceived. You, however, continue in the things you have learned and become convinced of, knowing from whom you have learned them. And that from childhood you have known the sacred scriptures, which are able to give you the wisdom that leads to salvation through faith, which is in Christ Jesus. All Scripture is inspired by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness, so that the man of God may be adequate, equipped for every good work. Lord, I pray that as we hear your word this morning, that we would take delight that you have made your word available to us in a way that we can understand so that we can follow you so that we can have relationship with you and so that we would all be presented before you as your workmanship father i pray your word would be our delight that we would not take it for granted and that lord it would be um, the lifeblood of our lives we thank you for this lord i pray your spirit would guide my words and Lord, prepare our hearts to hear your word, or cause the children to to listen this morning as well, to be impacted by your word, that it wouldn't just be something that their parents hear, but Lord, that you would speak to them as well. Thank you for your faithfulness. We trust that your Holy Spirit will guide and direct our time together this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Be seated. So I'm not going to do a super long sermon um, this morning, just because I do want to share about my trip and and in that, just share why Bible translation is so important to me. Um, and this passage here is really the crux of why I am so passionate about Bible translation. Because when I was in South Africa, I got to see four languages have a checking of the book of Colossians. Meaning that from that stage, then the community that these people, these women had come out of, could now read the book of Colossians in their their native language for the first time. They might be able to read another language, possibly among some of them, because it's a spoken, there's other languages in this area, but for the actual language that their parents raised them with, they've never had the Bible in that language. And as I sat there on, I think it was Wednesday afternoon as we were doing Colossians 4 and Philippians chapter 4, I just was struck with the fact that it's something I often take for granted here. We've had the Bible in our language for centuries, literally. And that is not something we should take for granted. It's not something that we should forget because there are many times in the past when that was not true. The Bible was only in either Latin 
or Greek. We don't think about that. Since the Reformation, that was the beginning of a Bible in a spoken language other than Latin. And that is transformative. We just think about how the Bible being translated into German transformed Germany. How it being translated in other languages and eventually English. Even though at the time the man who translated Tyndale was martyred because he was translating the Bible into English. He wasn't martyred because he was a heretic. He was martyred because he was making the Bible known in the language of the people of England. And that, you know, we, today we'd be like, I can't believe that that would be the case. But that's what happened. They even dug up his bones and burned them because it wasn't enough. So I, I wanted to encourage us, as I look here at 2 Timothy chapter 3, the value of God's Word. The value of God's Word. Because... He starts out in verse 12, he talks about those who will desire to live godly. Where does this desire come from? It comes from God. But how? How do we know how to live godly? Is it just natural for us to live, want to live godly? According to Scripture? No, the, the Bible says that that by nature we are children of wrath. That means that we do that which will lead to God's wrath upon us, not His favor and His blessing upon our lives. But even reading this verse 12, to know how to live godly in Christ Jesus requires something that we take for granted. Well, myself. Maybe you don't take it for granted. Maybe you think every morning, I am so blessed that I have the Word of God in my language so that I can understand it. You say, well, well what are you talking about? Well, if, if you look right down at verse 17, at the end it says, so that, so everything that God's Word gives is so that the man of God may be adequate Equipped for every good work. That's what godly living is. We cannot live godly if we don't know God's Word. Does that mean it has to be written? No, there are actually many translations going on right now that are oral translations. So they're not actually putting them in word format or written format. They are recording the Bible in a language because they realize that the people of that group will better understand it if it's heard rather than read, because they don't have a written education. But as believers, we take for granted that we can go to God's Word and find truth, find the value of God's Word. Or as we were singing today, are we secure on God's word? Is he our rock? Is his word our, the place where we find promises? Yes, it is. I believe so as a church, but oftentimes as Christians, we forget that there are literally millions of people around the world who have never read a single word 
in their own language or heard the Bible in their own language. It's crazy with all the technology we have in our day that there are people up in the mountains of Nepal and other areas, the, all the stands. In Nigeria alone, there's over 400 languages spoken. 400 in one country. There's one state in Mexico that has over 300 languages. Many of them actually have already been translated. The Bible has been translated into those. But when you consider the, the value that we have in God's Word, it makes me even more grateful that we have God's Word written down for us. Whether you agree with the translation I use or not, that's not a big deal to me. You may not like the NASB, that's fine. But you have a Bible that is very accurate, very clear. Now, if you came in here with the message this morning, I might have a disagreement, but um, (laughs) uh, all that said, as Christians, we have something. We have a guidebook We have the truth. We have a word that is inspired, right? It starts there in verse 16. We have a word that is inspired by God, not just written by God, but a word that is breathed out is the idea. This is what we have as believers. It's not just words on a page. If I I just needed a novel, I can go on... um, Go to the library and find a good novel. There's lots of good stories out there. But God's Word is different. It is powerful. Right? It's a two-edged sword. It cuts between joint and marrow. It gives us, it separates those things. It exposes sin. And as we live in a day where wicked men as verse 13 says, right? it says, but evil men and imposters will proceed from bad to worse. It's all, they're already bad, but what's he saying? It's going to get worse. It's not going to get better. You want to live godly in this life? It will lead to persecution. Right? Because you're in Christ. You're not doing it on your own. Now, if we were following the ways of the world, we we could live a life that's according to some set of rules and laws and and maybe set this, and, and the world would be fine with that. The world would be fine with us trying to do things in our own strength. But when we desire to live godly in Christ Jesus, we desire to submit our will to God's will, to what He says in His Word, we will be persecuted and the And the world that we live in is a prime example of this. What is the world we live in preaching today? Are they preaching, follow Jesus no matter the cost? No. You know what they're preaching? Follow your true self no matter the cost. Why do you think transgenderism is so popular? Because people are buying into the the view that if they follow their true self, they will find true happiness. It's a lie from the pit of hell. 
If I find my true self, then I'll be... Stop chasing your true self because your true self is lost, hopeless, and without Christ. Sorry, I'm, I'm pulling in another... I read a really good book while I was gone. Well, a few. Uh, when you have a 20 plus hours in a plane, you get a lot of reading done. <laughs> uh, but the world is preaching something that is so antithetical to who God is. It's so opposed to what God has shown us in His Word that if we do not know the Word of God, we will easily be led astray. We will easily give in to sin. Why? Because the world is telling you if you want to do something, you should just do it. Don't, don't listen to what everyone else is saying. Who cares what the world says, what everybody else says? Just, just follow your true, true self. That's how you'll find happiness. But that's not what the Bible teaches. The Bible says to repent of your sins and to turn to Jesus, that He is the only way to true happiness. You want happiness that will last. It, it will be found in God's Word, in relationship with Jesus Christ. It will be found in His Word because His Holy Spirit will make His Word alive to you. It won't just be words on a page. It will become life, it will become hope, and it will be peace no matter what the circumstances may come. No matter who these wicked men are. No matter what is going on in our world. I know many are very happy of late because of some leaked messages from the, the Supreme Court. I'm thankful that it seems like our country may be abolishing Roe versus Wade, for example. But my hope is not in whether those judges have destroyed a piece of a court case that was honestly of the devil, has destroyed literally millions of lives in the time that it, from the time that it came down to today. But that wasn't the beginning of sin in our, our nation. That's, that's the sad thing as, as a church. I am so thankful that there is a good chance that abortion will be legal in our state. However, as Christians... My walk with God is not going to be on a high because of that. It's going to be on a high because Jesus is the Lord of my life. And I know that no matter whether there are highs or lows, that He will give me the strength I need because I have His Word. I have a relationship with Him. And I don't have to be concerned about being deceived. Because that's what evil men are doing. They're, they are so deceived oftentimes that they don't even realize that what they're saying is deceptive. Just turn on the television. People are believing the lie. Why? Because their whole life, their whole worldview is shaped by this world. They're Christians, those who call themselves Christians, who are also shaped by the world. You can hear it in the way they talk. You can hear it in the lyrics that they write. You can hear it in the way that they live. You know, you, you can't tell me that. You can't judge me. Well, God says many times, not just 
the one time, judge not lest you be judged. He actually says, judge, discern. As Christians, we should be discerning of what God says and what people are saying God is saying. But how can you discern if you have no basis? Right? Imagine if here in the U.S., there, what if there was no Bible in English? What if the only Bible was in Spanish? That's how millions of people around the world who call themselves Christians are having to live. Their native language is not the language that a Bible is written in. And so it's no wonder that in some of these groups, error is popping up because they're translating or misunderstanding a text. So use this example in Spanish. So imagine if I had to read a Spanish Bible and translate it to you every Sunday. I actually do speak Spanish, but my Spanish is not good enough. If I was trying to teach an English-speaking audience who had no true understanding of Spanish, it would be very easy to fall into error. This is why I... This is one of the reasons why I'm so passionate about Bible translation, because I see the value of God's Word. I see how God's Word in a language of communication, of wide communication, so in English, for example, how that has transformed England. Just think about history. Think about the history of the Bible in English. You get things like the Bill of Rights which started in England. You get the end of slavery in England. Why? Because there was a Bible. You get a whole culture based on God's Word. Not perfect. Why? Because there's no no such thing today as a theocracy. A nation run by God in the sense of perfectly... No, that's that's the new heaven is the new, new earth. But... As Christians, I think we forget that our, our whole culture here in the U.S. and even in England was shaped by God's Word. It was the first real book translated into English. And where the Bible is being translated around the world today, it is almost always the first book ever written in that language, other than teaching materials, how to read, literacy materials. Isn't that incredible to think that God's Word will now be the basis upon which they base their writing? Because that is the first book that is written in their language. This is the power of God's Word. We have seen here in the U.S. for the last 200 years the effect of the Bible Not because the Founding Fathers were all Christians. Because they weren't. But because the Founding Fathers knew what the Bible said and the culture that they lived in knew what the Bible said, it affected what they thought was right and wrong. But what's happening today? 
How many people actually read the Bible now and they're as their main book? No, we're we're all chasing the New York Best Times bestseller or we're spending all our time reading Facebook posts. Whatever it may be. But we actually don't spend time in the Word, and that's why people are so easily deceived, so easily drawn away from God. Because they actually don't know the Word. I was kind of surprised we, uh, while we were in South Africa, we went and visited a YWAM base. And YWAM either has a good or a bad reputation depending on who you've talked to. <laughs> that base was actually a pretty good one. I, I like the guy that was leading it, but he was talking about this program they, call, they have called SBS. And um, essentially it's a, a Bible school. But it's not a Bible school like a seminary. It is literally a Bible school. They spend nine months... And in nine months' time, they read the Bible five times through. Five times. And they write a commentary on every book individually for those for every book of the Bible. And they're doing study through the Bible. It's not just reading, it's actually studying the Word for nine straight months. This is like, I'm like, wow, that is so for lack of a better word, cool. It's amazing that they're seeing that the, the Word of God is so powerful that they need to spend time in it. And so much so, yes, these are young people who are not married, so please take that with a grain of salt, the majority. But they are being immersed in God's Word. Their mind is being transformed by God's Word. They're not giving them commentaries Here's a commentary on Romans. Here's, here's commentary on that. Here's this. No, they're saying, get in God's Word. Why don't you read it five times? And you're going to... Yes, they have a class for each book where they kind of give an overview of the book, but that's not... They've already probably read the book once or twice before they actually get to one of those. All that to say, when I heard that, I thought, is this what we need individually? Do we need to make God's Word a priority in our lives and in our church so much so that we are just immersing ourselves in God's Word? We have something here that is of great value. There are tribes in Nigeria that would do anything to have a Bible in their language. But there's so much work that goes into that. Just a New Testament alone could take seven to ten years. Old Testament, at least ten years, generally. Not always. It depends on how many people in the community are educated enough to do the work. But there are thousands of people dying every day with no... Word of God in their, their language. Probably sound like a recruiter here. I'm not trying to be. <laughs> but 
just want us to see here in 2 Timothy chapter 3 what it is the Word of God brings us. What we have in the Word of God. He goes on in verse 14, he says, You, however, continue the things you have learned and been convinced of, knowing from whom you have learned them. He's talking about his grandmother and his mother. They're spiritual. So from a child, Timothy had the word of God spoken to him. Kind of going back to Joel's messages, how important it is to teach our children from young age because they're seeing everything else in the world just because you're... Not teaching your kids doesn't mean they're not learning. If someone is not teaching them in the home, they will be taught outside of the home. Doesn't matter what you think. What are you letting your kids watch? What are you, all those things? But here, Timothy was taught from a young age by his grandmother and his mother. But what was he learned? It says, and that from childhood you have known the sacred writings. Well, I don't think we should be teaching our kids the Bible so early. That's what the world wants us to think. They'll say, you're brainwashing your kids. No, you're trying to brainwash my kids. I actually want my kids to have their brain washed by the Lord. (laughs) I don't know about you. We need our brains to be purified, cleansed. Because the world around us is so bought into doing whatever they want and how they feel. And But what does Paul say here in the second half of 15? Because he says... From a childhood you have known the sacred writings, and then he describes something about them. He says, which are able to give you wisdom. This is something that God's Word gives us. Wisdom. This made me think about a story I heard in South Africa. There was a pastor there who had worked in Madagascar, which the people group we were helping was from Madagascar. And this pastor, he said... The reigning tribe, they got the Bible in their language, which is Malagasy. It's like the main language. But they refused to allow it to be translated into other languages because they realized that God's Word actually was useful in everyday life. They they realized that the principles of God's Word, not just the saving efficacy of them, The wisdom of God's word actually had tangible effects in their rule of the island. So they refused to let it be translated into other languages. Isn't that... I mean, we think about that and like, what? That's not very Christian. Well, they didn't care. They wanted power. They they wanted to maintain their power and, and they learned so much from the Bible that they didn't want anyone else to learn those things. Quite sad to be... Honest and selfish. But those people, most likely those rulers were not believers because if they're holding the word like that, but even these unbelieving people, and there were believers among these these groups, and God has done 
a mighty work in that nation and among those people, they realized that it had wisdom. But it's not just everyday wisdom. This is wisdom from above. It's wisdom that leads to salvation. It's wisdom that leads to salvation, not just a short-term salvation. This is salvation that affects every part of your life from day one, walking with Christ, to eternity. That's what the wisdom of Scripture gives us. It gives us wisdom that leads to salvation through faith, which is in Christ Jesus. This is God's word to us. And then we have this passage. We all have probably either memorized this or heard it hundreds of times. But all Scripture is inspired by God. Again, breathed out by God. This is God's breathed out word. If this was an oral translation, this is God's spoken word. And it's profitable. It's not improfit. It's not useless. It is it actually has profit to you and I. It has profit to all who hear it. Whether they receive it in faith or not is a different question. But God's word is profitable. And what is it profitable for? For teaching. Teaching who? Everyone. Men, women, children, slaves, the whole gamut. Black, white, yellow, whatever race or color, God's Word is profitable for teaching all people of all ages. But it's not just useful for teaching. It's interesting Paul says teaching first. Because let me ask you this question. When you want to discipline your children for something, do you need to teach them something first? Yeah. Right? If they don't know something's wrong and then you come in with the with the the sledge, not that I'm I'm not saying that, but you come in and you're just ready to wreck them up, that's not right either. But if you're coming in ready to spank your child and they don't even know it's wrong, you've you've skipped a step. Right? We have to teach first, and then Paul says, for reproof. He doesn't start with reproof. I don't think it's an accident that Paul did it in this order. It says for teaching and for reproof, for correction. Right? We have to teach first. Many times churches start with the negative. Right? I was actually listening to a a biography, and the guy said, I didn't actually know how to live because all I was told what not to do. I was never told what I should do. He, he, his dad was a member of a, a legalistic Pentecostal church, and he just couldn't figure out, like, there was no positive to being in this religion because no one, I didn't know what to do. I just was told, you can't do that, you can't do that, you can't do, all negatives. Sounds more like correction than teaching. As Christians, we must not only teach our children and teach one another, have the word taught from the 
the preaching, the pulpit. But if we aren't teaching well, then we're going to spend a lot of time reproving and correcting. Though it needs to be done. It will, even when you teach constantly, I just, I think back to Mr. Hamilton, it'd be like, why is he preaching 20 messages a year on this topic? Well, because we weren't getting it. Right? Now I know I have kids. <laughs> How many times have you told your kids, don't do that? And it's like, it doesn't even take a day and they've already moved on to doing it again. Don't throw your toys. Ten minutes later, this actually happened yesterday. Don't do this. Twenty minutes later, doing it again. We're much like children. We need to be taught and retaught and reminded and then, okay, you're not listening. Here comes some reproof. Here comes some correction. I think it's, it's not accidental that Paul is dealing with us in the same way that Scripture is profitable for teaching and then reproof and then correction. Why? See, we have this word Again, for training in righteousness. I think all three of these combine for training. Right? We, we, we teach, we reprove, we correct, and then we're in that whole process we're training them. We're showing them, okay, this is how you do this. You know, if you have a business, you train an employee. If you're trying to teach them to put down hardwood right, you're like, okay, number one rule. We've got to make sure that our surface is clean because if you try to put hardwood on a bad surface, what's going to happen? It's not going to be any fun. You're going to have to tear something up. It's going to be a mess. You start from the basis and you work your way up and eventually you get to the place where you can actually trust that person to put in hardwood from the beginning to even clear coating and sanding. And clear coating, I think, is probably the most difficult part to get right, personally. But if you haven't done all the other steps right, then when you get to clear coating, it doesn't matter what you do, it's going to turn out bad. If you haven't sanded well, if you haven't done these things well, it's not going to look good. Cabinetry, I've, I did that for a long time. Uh, I'm not the greatest at it. But if you make a mistake at the beginning, and that's why you have to go in, when, you, when you're teaching someone to do carpentry, you don't let them get a hold of your nailers and start nailing stuff immediately. Well, maybe you do. I don't know. <laughs> Sometimes you're desperate. But I remember when I was young and I started out at a cabinet shop, guess what I did a lot of? Anybody want to guess? Sanding. <laughs> I hated sanding with a passion. But you can't mess up a lot when you're sanding. <laughs> Usually. Though I have done it. <laughs> But I didn't get to start using the saws immediately. They made me watch. This is how you do this. This is how you do this. So you spend a lot of time training these employees so that they can do their job well, and you're not having to stand over their back, oh no, are they going to cut their thumb off? Are they going to do this or that? Right, because they've been trained well. So God's Word has the same effect for believers. 
And should, if we're teaching our kids by God's grace and His Holy Spirit's work in their lives, have an effect on their lives that's profitable, not for their bad. So when we train our children, it's going to include teaching. It's going to include reproof and correction. And as a body, when we're here learning God's Word, it's, it's a means of teaching a means of correcting, of reproving, of, of training us. Why would God care about this? Well, I've already read this twice, but in verse 17 he says, So that, this is the purpose. Again, I've said this many times, but when we see the word so that, that means this is the reason why the word of God is profitable for teaching, for reproof. Why God made it so that God's word would teach us, would reprove us, would correct us, would train us in righteousness. Why does it do that? So that the man of God, not just men, but the people of God, may be adequate. This word adequate is kind of this idea of complete, ready. You know, like that employee who you've apprenticed, And now they're ready. Okay, I'm retiring. You take over my job. Or I feel like you're you're an adequate sander now, so I don't have to stand over your back and make sure you're not like making divots in the in the floor or in the in the face frames. That was my problem. (laughs) I hated trying to get that nice and smooth. But. Someone who is ready to do what you've trained them to do. That's essentially this idea of adequate. So that the man of God may be adequate and what? Equipped. What are we giving? What is God's word giving us? It's equipping us. It's giving us armor, right? The armor of God. It's giving us tools. Okay, you're a plumber, you need wrench. and It's giving you all these tools so that when you get to the job... When you get to the work that God has for you, you're equipped. You're ready. You're not having to run across town to Lowe's to get a tool because you're already ready. You know God has given you what you need. You may not have to deal with that in the cabinet shop as much because you're close to Lowe's, but maybe when you're going out to an install and you've forgotten a tool, I've done had that happen on many on jobs, and you end up with two tools because <laughs> it's longer. It's twice as long to go back to the shop, and you have only so much time. But this whole point is that you're equipped. You not only have, do you have the skills to do what God has called you to do, but you're equipped. You're actually you have the tools and the skills. That's what God's Word gives us. It gives us all that we need for life and godliness. It is a full revelation of God Himself so that we can be the, the men and women of God that He's called us to be. That way, when you get to chapter 4 of Second Timothy, He can say, Preach the Word. Why? Because I know you know it. I know you're equipped. I know you're ready. And to us, share the gospel with your neighbors. Show a good witness in your work. 
Be a light at the supermarket when the line is out the door at Walmart and you're just frustrated because you have all this automated tele, uh, people, you know, you, can, you have all these computers and somehow you still have lines. I don't understand this. Maybe I'm the only one that gets frustrated. When you, there's a vo- reason I go to Aldi and not Walmart because one employee at Aldi can do 20 times what a single employee at Walmart can do. I wonder why that is. Training. They're trained. You get that person through the line. That's your goal. Get them, get them through. Quick as possible. And when they're ready, you, you see a line at Aldi, I guarantee you it'll be less than 10 minutes in line. If that. So all that to say, if God's Word has so much of value in it, and yet many people don't have it in their language, many people are relying on a second or third language to know how to live the Christian life. There are pastors in Madagascar who are preaching from the original Malagasy text, though their people in general, do not speak that language except for trading. It's, this, it's their second or third language. It's not the language they grew up speaking in their villages. But because they love God, they are willing to learn in that language because they, it's the only way to know God. So this, I guess I will transition. I have a slideshow from my trip.